Hey everyone, thanks for checking out the River Community Church podcast. If you want more information about the church or things that are going on, you can visit therivercc.com or you can check out our app at app.therivercc.com. Today's message comes from Pastor Steve Taboo. All right, we're welcoming you here today as we continue our series on foundations. Uh, whether you're watching online, remember you can interact with Pastor Andrew online and, and ask him your questions. Whether you're here, we want to uh, remind you of the blue card that you have. You can ask questions. Uh, you can come on Wednesday nights. We've got two classes dedicated to the Through the Bible series, and you can uh, come and ask questions about what you're reading. We're reading Through the Bible together from Genesis to Revelation this year. I'm going to preach every week on something we've studied And it just so happens to fall so beautifully on this idea of foundations as we talk about the foundations that we stand on. Genesis is just full of these teachings that are foundational to you and to I. They they give solid understanding so that when we're going through good times or bad, we have something to lean into. And the story today is a guy named Joseph. Now, the story of Joseph is a beautiful story. It's one of my favorites. They've made a lot of movies about it, the coat of many colors. They've, they've got uh, different opportunities for you to learn. And then they've also made some, some dramas that may not be very accurate to the story. So be sure to check it with the Bible, right? Uh, but I want to encourage you to dig in and to, to keep up with the reading. If you haven't gotten the Bible yet, we thought we were going to have more for this Sunday. We ordered another 125, uh, but they didn't get here this week. So we should have more for those that are just starting with us to pick up. And they've got this great little commentary in each of the Bibles. Everybody's been telling me how much they've really enjoyed the way that helps explain and kind of give some insight to what we're reading. And so we hope that you'll join with us through the whole year as we go through and read and try to understand the Word of God. Now, today, uh, we're talking uh, about this foundation of the sovereignty of God, how we can trust God no matter what season we're in, we can trust him that he's got a plan and a purpose. Now, when we talk about the sovereignty of God, what it doesn't mean is that God orchestrates everything that's going on. God did not orchestrate Adam and Eve rebelling and sinning, okay, God does not orchestrate you and I to sin. The Bible says he doesn't tempt anyone with sin. But what he is doing, he's working through this uh, season, this world, to bring good out of evil. He's working to bring hope in a dark time. Uh, I just pulled a couple of uh, pictures here from just some of the headlines that you'll see, right? If, If you're pulling up the headlines... Uh, today and, and this last week, we see we had the, the big volcano eruption, and uh, then with that comes these tsunamis that come. You'll also see if you flip through, we're continuing the coronavirus and, and the concern that everybody has the coronavirus, and then you flip through even further, and uh, something more local here, a man charged with shooting his own sister. And so if you want negativity, if you want to know all the negative and, and things that are going on in the world, it's real easy to find, am I right? But staying positive and having hope and being encouraged in a season like we're going through is difficult. 
And it's up to you and I, if we have the light of Jesus in us, to shine that light wherever we go. Now, as we talk about the sovereignty of God today, one of the things that's so important to understand and why we need to understand the sovereignty of God is we got to understand that God's got a plan. From Genesis to Revelation, you'll see a plan. And even today, and each week I'm going to try to tie this into the New Testament each week, because many people believe the story of Joseph is, again, a snapshot of Christ who is to come. Because he's someone who, who in his righteousness was still uh, punished, and yet in the end brought a rescue to all of his family and all those he loved, as he stayed faithful and true to God. But we're going to look at the story of Joseph, and we're only going to get to hit tidbits. I, I mean, the whole story is like eight or nine chapters in the Bible, so we can't read all that. So the struggle is always, what passages do we actually read? Because if you're not reading with us, I still want you engaged in the message, okay? I still want you to, to connect. And so, uh, so we're going to try to hit just a couple of the passages and walk through that. So let's go, Lord, in prayer and ask God to speak to us. Lord, I just humble myself right now, God, because when I think of how big you are and your plans that you have, Lord, I just always feel so small, not unnecessary or not useless. I just feel small, God, because <laughs> you created this world and, and you have a plan and we get to be a part of it. So I pray that each one of us would get ignited today about how, although we may be small in the midst of 7 billion people, we are not insignificant. You have a plan. You have a reason for what we're walking through. And if we stay faithful and walk in faith, Lord, we will get to experience your answered prayers. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So if you got your Bibles, go ahead and open up to uh, Genesis 37. Verse 1, Genesis 37, 1. We're going to read verses 1 through 4. And in Genesis 37, what we're going to see is that God allows trouble in our lives for a season. Okay? For each and every person, you will go through seasons. One of the things I love about the Bible is it does not candy coat what people went through, Right? Everybody goes through seasons. When I do marriage counseling, pre-marriage counseling, one of the things I, I tell people up front to start with is lower your expectation of your marriage. People are like, what? That, that's where I start because they got all these movies. My, my kids were watching one last night where literally the guy is the prince of some new country, right? And, and to rescue the girl, he rides in on a horse in the middle of a city in America to ride away with her on this horse. I was like, okay, that's funny. I mean, that, that's cheesy beyond cheesy, right? But hey, some of the movies I watch are cheesy beyond cheesy, and I, I laugh really hard, right? But my, my point is this. We, we have raised the expectation level that that's what marriage is. It's this romantic, super-duper kind of everybody's happy all the time experience. And those who are married can say that's not the case, Right? Because I'm a sinner, my wife's a sinner, we've both been rescued by Jesus, and now we're both saints, but we still tend to sin at least once a year, right? So, y'all laughing at me? Okay, maybe she sins twice a year. And so, 
So we all battle this sin in this marriage, right? So it's the same thing in life. If you have this mindset that you deserve to have the best life now, you deserve to have the best life of anybody, you deserve a perfect life without any sickness and any pain and any difficulty, you need to change your expectations. Because God told us in the beginning of Genesis that the world now has fallen and mankind is going to have to deal with that curse. And sometimes it affects you and I, okay? But then we also can raise our expectations of what is before us. We can raise our expectations of how God will walk through us through all those seasons. We can raise our expectations on the hope we have of his presence in our life, giving us wisdom beyond our years. We can raise our expectations of the intervention of God in our life and in our kids' lives and our friends' lives and our family's lives when we pray and we ask God to intervene. Just as we saw Abraham intervene in prayer for Lot and Sodom. And how he prayed and God rescued Sot, I mean Lot from Sodom. And so we can raise our expectations of what God does want to do and will do through us when we remain faithful and we walk with God even in the darkest seasons as Joseph does. Okay? So as we kick it off here, uh, God allowing trouble in our lives for a season, we see uh, Joseph starting out on the wrong foot. Uh, verse 1 says this in Genesis 37. It says, So Jacob settled again in the land of Canaan, where his father had lived as a foreigner. This is the account of Jacob and his family. When Joseph was 17 years old, he often tended his father's flocks. He worked for his half-brothers, the sons of his father's wives, Bilhah and Zilpah. But Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things his brothers were doing. Jacob loved Joseph, more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day, Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. But his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to him. Let me just pause there for a moment and say something. Parents, do not love one kid more than another. Grandparents, do not love one grandkid more than another. Do not brag on one more than the other. Do not show favoritism. If you want your kids to hate each other as they grow up and get older, just show one more favoritism than the other, right? Because it is our nat natural flesh that we have already to assume that our parents love the other one more than us, right? Uh, with me growing up, my sister, two and a half years older, she may be watching this morning, and uh, she was like the perfect kid. She had that easygoing personality, and, and all the teachers loved her. And, of course, I'd go into the class after them. And I just tell them right from the beginning, lower your expectations, <laughs> right? I am not her. I'm not her. That's not who I am. I'm the talker. You know, he's got the in in conduct. Talks too much. See, God used it, right? See? So there's, there's hope for your kids. Parents, please, can I just say this? You may connect more with one kid than the other because they like the same things you like. You may connect less with others because they have the same personality and you may clash. But it is so important that you go the extra mile to let all your kids, all your grandkids, all your nieces and nephews know that you love them all the same because that's the heart of God and you and I are called to model the heart of God. 
okay? So Jacob set his son Joseph up for failure from day one. And then if you follow the story, you can go on, then, then Joseph has these dreams where God reveals to him what's gonna happen in his adult life and how he's gonna rule over his brothers. And yes, even his father and mother one day will be supported by him. And then he makes the foolish step as a young man to tell those dreams to his brothers, which made him hate him even more. And if you're reading Wizards, you know that then he goes out to help his dad by visiting his brothers. They capture him. First, they're gonna kill him. That's the first plan. We're gonna get rid of Joseph, this dreamer, this talker that dad loves so much. So they throw him in the cistern, but Reuben, one of his brothers, was gonna come back and rescue him later. But he doesn't, before Reuben gets back, his other brothers sell him into slavery. Then Joseph, at 17 years old, goes into slavery. It just so happens, which means God planned it from the beginning of time, by the way, that's what God's sovereignty is, that even in the midst of people doing evil, God is still at work to bring about his purposes. And so Joseph gets sold into slavery, but gets sold to Potiphar, who just so happens to be the captain of the guard for Pharaoh. And so now he's in a place of influence, and he has a choice. In this season that is difficult, he could have whined and bellyached. He could have done his very least as a slave, as most slaves do, right? Because there's no chance normally that you get advanced as a slave. Slavery is slavery till you die. So why bother to, to achieve? Why bother to do better than everybody else in their work ethic? But Joseph honored God with his work. And because of that, he was actually promoted in Potiphar's home. You can turn with me to, uh, to the next chapter. Genesis 39, 1 through 4. In Genesis 39, we're going to read about how God is with Joseph even in this difficult season. So starting in verse 1, it says, When Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was captain of the guard from Pharaoh. Just so happens, of course, the king of Egypt. The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian. Pharaoh noticed this and realized the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. This pleased Potiphar, so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. So Joseph makes a decision. He's going to work hard and honor God. And it says God is with him in everything he does. So he tries to, to make something really good out of something really bad. Now, I don't want, know what season you're going through, but if you're here today, I guarantee you there's some darkness in your season. If you're like me, you're surrounded by people that are going through hard times. You're, you're having to walk and be the strength for others at this time. Or maybe you're the one going through a hard time and you're trying to lean on God. You're trying to lean on others because it's a hard season. I know that there are some hard seasons in this room this morning. I've already prayed with probably at least a half dozen people that as I talk to them, I appreciate the fact that you're candid. When I say, how's it going? You go, man, it's, it's not going well. And just get to stop and pray with you and encourage you. 
I get it, there's some hard seasons right now. But let me tell you, in this season, you need to know God is with you. God doesn't leave or forsake you. The sovereignty of God means he keeps his promises. He knows what's going on. He's walking with you through the good times and the bad. And you can lean into him. And you can trust in him that he's not going anywhere. Now, Joseph continued to try to honor Potiphar, so much so that Potiphar's wife comes to him, tries to seduce him, and what does Joseph do? He runs. He's out of there. He's like, I'm not going to dishonor Potiphar. He's been good to me. He said, let's just leave it at that. And she continues, and one day she corners him, and, and she's ready to have her way, and he just runs, leaves his coat as he goes, runs past her, and so she says, okay, you're going to spurn me? I'll show you. Takes the coat to her husband, says, look, he tried to attack me. And when he did, he left his coat behind. What are you going to do about it? And Potiphar, of course, was upset. You go to Genesis 39, verse 16 to 20. Says she kept the cloak with her until her husband came home. Then she told him the story. That Hebrew slave you brought into our house tried to come in and fool around with me, she said. But when I screamed, he ran outside, leaving his cloak with me. Then Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about how Joseph had treated her. So he took Joseph and threw him in prison, where the king's prisoners were held. And there he remained. Joseph is trying to honor God. He's trying to honor Potiphar. He's trying to be a man of righteousness. He's trying to do it right. And guess what? It blows up in his face, right? You ever had that happen? Where you're the guy that's trying to do right? You're the person at work that's trying to keep working while everybody else is slacking off and you're trying to honor God with your character and everybody else is getting deceitful and it feels like the other folks are getting ahead? The ones that'll bend the rules just a little bit, get more sales than you do? The ones that'll just tell a little white liar able to, to get the business deal that you weren't willing to be unrighteous on. And sometimes it feels like you're punished for doing what's right. Can I get an amen? Okay. Joseph felt the same way. He was doing what was right by God, working extra hard, and it's paying off. He's the head of all of Potiphar's household. And then he does what's right by Potiphar by telling his wife, no. And he winds up in the king's jail. Now, this seems like like he's being punished for doing what's right, but the whole time, remember, it's a season. In this season, God is positioning him for greatness because God moves him into the king's prison, which it just so happens the baker and the cupbearer are there with him who have been put in the king's prison because of a fallout they've had with the king. And it just so happens they have a dream, and it just so happens that Joseph is able to interpret that dream through the power of the Lord. So in this season, it's a hard season. If you count the, count the years, it's 13 years from the time he's captured and thrown in captivity to the time he's released and becomes second in command. 13 years. Maybe you've been in a hard season for 13 years. 
Will you stay faithful? I want you to know it's just a season. Remember I told you I give that marriage advice one is lower your expectations. Second thing I give them is realize when you go through hard times, it's just a season. Too many people give up on their marriages when they go through a bad season. Let me just ask, can we please be transparent? If you're married in here, raise your hand. Okay, wow, that's a lot of folks. Now, keep those hands up, keep those hands up. Is there anybody that's been married more than three years that's never gone through a bad season? Couple of them. Man, I need to get advice from you guys. Because I tell you, almost everybody I meet, if you've been married more than three years, somebody goes sideways at some point and the other one's got to humble themselves and not give up. My experience is with me, my flesh is always screaming for me to be selfish and I'm always having to battle that in my flesh that I might honor God and honor my wife in my marriage. And so I tell young couples, if you're going through a difficult time in your marriage, realize it's a season. And there's also, let me, let me just encourage everybody that's single out there, how many of you in the marriage have been through tough seasons, have made it through, and now you're in a good season? Can you please raise your hand to encourage? Okay, all right, that's encouraging, okay, all right. There are seasons, and in your spiritual faith, there are seasons in your life where you're going through hardship. Joseph is modeling that, and he's modeling how we might live. The second thing I want you to see is that God allows trouble in our lives for a reason. God allows trouble in our lives for a reason. It may be a season, but you need to know there's a reason behind that. Genesis 39, start in verse 20. It says, so he took Joseph and threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were held. You see that? The king's prisoners were held. He could have been sent to another prison where nobodies were at, but for whatever reason, maybe because he's in Potiphar's household, he got sent to the prison where the king's prisoners are held. And there he remained. But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. Paul's there. How do we know? What does that faithful love look like? Does that mean he was just still... Answering Joseph's prayers for little things? Maybe. Does that mean Joseph actually sensed the presence of God? Maybe. I, I don't know, but we have recorded here from Joseph an understanding that God was with him throughout that whole painful journey. And that God was faithful to Joseph. If you're going through a tough season, I get it. It's not fair, right? And life's not fair. Anybody that told you that was trying to sell you something, right? Because life is not fair. Sometimes the good are the ones that get punished for what the bad do. Sometimes the other person who's not trying as hard gets a leg up. I love that story of the guy who was working hard to, to become the vice president of the company, and he worked hard, he worked hard, and he's in the business meeting where he knows he's done better than everybody else, and they're going to announce the new Vice president, and the president gets up there and he says, I want to announce the, the new vice president. And he names a young guy that hadn't done anything. And, and he looks over and wondering why in the world this guy got it. And all of a sudden he stands up and goes, thanks, dad. Right? So sometimes it's just because they're born into the family, they get advantages over you when you've laid your heart out. 
But please know, if you press on, if you continue to honor God, there's a reason. In the sovereignty of God, God is weaving a plan of his redemption, not for your promotions, not for your acceleration of finances. He's weaving, he's weaving a thread of redemption that the whole world might know the hope of Christ. And it is key, it is essential that as you're going through that season, that you lean into Christ and that you continue to ask him for that strength, that you realize that he is where your hope and your victory lies. And it may be 13 years that you're in that season, but if you'll stay faithful, you'll realize that God is staying faithful and he's walking with you through that whole season. Well, what happens then? He's in this jail and Joseph continued to honor God as we saw. God's faithful to show him love. Verse 21 says, and the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Verse 22, before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. Sound familiar? Once again, season of difficulty, Joseph honors God, God raises him up. 23, the warden had no worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. Now, still, the best prisoner in jail is still what? A prisoner, right? I mean, if you're trying to write this script, it's not, it's not one you'd normally write. Okay, if you want to be vice president of the United States, here's your plan. Okay, go get arrested for something. Stay in jail and, and, and just do really good in jail. And I'm pretty sure sooner or later you'll be VP of America. I mean, does that make any sense if you're going to make a plan for somebody to be vice president? It doesn't, does it? But you see, God is sovereign, so he knew the way to get Joseph, a Hebrew, a Hebrew, who if you read later on, that even though he was the most powerful man that he was, the Egyptians would not eat with Hebrews, with the Jews. Later on, you can read that in there. Now, that's interesting when you consider Pharaoh made him second in command of the whole country, and yet still the Egyptians wouldn't eat with the Hebrews. Pretty amazing. But God raises him up, okay? And then we want to skip over, and I'll just, again, I'm filling in the gaps. So while Joseph's in jail, the, the baker and the, the cupbearer come, and they tell him a, a story. They tell him how they've fallen out of favor with the king, and they've each had a dream. And he says, well, it just so happens the God I serve can interpret those dreams. They give him the dream, and he interprets it. It goes really, really badly for one guy. The baker, it doesn't go well for at all. Uh, he turns out he's ended up being killed for what he's done against the king. But the cupbearer, it goes really well. He gets reestablished as the cupbearer for the king. And so Joseph says to him, hey, remember me when you get there, right? Get me out of here. Remember me. And guess what? He forgot. What a guy. You get rescued out of prison and you forget the guy that's part of the rescue. And you leave him in prison to rot. Well, then Pharaoh has a dream, and nobody can interpret Pharaoh's dream. Nobody can figure it out. The, the, the wise men of Egypt can't figure it out. 
And all of a sudden, bing, it just so happens. The cupbearer, who's close to the king, remembers, oh, yeah, there's this guy in jail that he interpreted my dream. Oh, king, maybe he can help you. And I love it because Joseph is brought before him. And uh, look at Genesis 41. Genesis 41. So uh, Pharaoh is going to bring him before and ask him to interpret the dream. Chapter 41, verse 14 through uh, 16, drove ago. Pharaoh sent for Joseph at once, and he was quickly brought from the prison. After he shaved and changed his clothes, he went in and stood before Pharaoh. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream last night, and no one here can tell me what it means. But I've heard that when you hear about a dream, you can interpret it. Now look, look at what, what Joseph does here. He is before the most powerful man in the world who can just speak the word and he's dead. And he knows this most powerful man in the world worships the Egyptian gods. He knows that there's huge statues all around of Egyptian gods. And so it would make sense in his own safety that he wouldn't talk about his God at all, that he would just say, yeah, yeah, I can do that dream thing. I got you covered. But what does he say? Verse 16, it is beyond my power to do this, Joseph replies, but God can tell you what it means and set you at ease. And Joseph continues to give God the glory even when the season is a season of difficulty. Even when his neck is on the line, Joseph is unfaltered. Then skip down to Genesis 45. And Genesis 45 is the big reveal. So Joseph has gone before the king. He interprets the dream. And, and if you haven't read it, I want to encourage you to keep reading it with us. But if you haven't, uh, what happens is the big situation is the dream says that there's going to be seven years of bountiful harvest for Egypt and then seven years of drought. And so Joseph provides a plan for the Pharaoh how to plan during the drought I mean, how to plan during the bountiful harvest so that during the drought, Egypt will be uniquely positioned. And so he does that. And, and if you read further, you'll see that Egypt became so wealthy during that time because they began to be a lender to all the nations around them. And people came to them like Joseph's brothers for food. And it, it built the wealth of Egypt, which is very interesting as you look at the level of wealth that was built and you look at what was built at that time all the different buildings and, and uh, things that were built in Egypt, most people that are Christian uh, historians, at least, believe that those buildings were built uh, by the slaves of Egypt and that through the wealth that Joseph attained for Egypt during that time, the Pharaoh turned and used it for those things. But in Genesis 45, 4 through 8, Joseph now has been put in charge it's, uh, it's been approximately, let's see, he was 17 when he got into slavery. He was 30 when he took, took rule with the Pharaoh. And now I think it's two years into the famine or three. And so that's a total of, of what, 13, 20, so about 22, 23 years. Okay, so now Joseph is like 40 years old. So his brothers don't recognize him at all. First of all, they think he's dead probably. 
Second, they hadn't seen him since he was 17. Third, he's dressed probably in more Egyptian garb and culture. And fourth, they have no expectation that their brother they sold into slavery is going to be second in command of Egypt, right? And so they come before him. They need food. And he puts them through this whole ruse to get them all there. He wants to see his little brother that is from his same mother. So he puts them through his whole ruse to get them there. And then in Genesis 45, he has the big reveal. Now, this for you and me would probably be the aha moment, right? Let's be honest. You, You know, parents, don't you love it when you're right? Don't you love it when you tell your kid, don't touch that hot stove, and they touch it and they burn it? You're sad for a moment, then you're kind of like, <laughs> I told him. He didn't listen. Hope he learns, right? Now, you're not laughing because your kids are sitting next to you. I get it. But but here, here's, uh, and it's not just parents. Friends, you do the same thing, right? You tell your buddy you shouldn't make that decision. You tell him three times, four times. You tell him you've done that yourself and you lost a boatload of money. It's not a good investment. And then they do it and they feel stupid and you feel sad for them (laughs) and a little bit proud for your wisdom, right? So here we are. And this is Joseph's moment. He has a chance to like rub it in the faces of his brothers. He sold into slavery by then. He was sold as nothing but a slave. And he's the second in command of the whole world, basically. And they are coming before him. And he's thinking to himself, (laughs) they didn't believe that dream. The fulfillment of the dream is here. They're coming to me needing wheat. I get it. God gave me that dream. And in that point, he could have gloated. At that point, he could have taken his power and crushed his family. At that point, he could have blamed them and laid into them. But look at the grace and mercy. Again, I believe it's a foreshadowing of the grace and mercy of Jesus. When he's on the cross, and he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Here's what he says in Genesis 45. He says, please come closer, he said to them. So they came closer, and he said again, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into slavery in Egypt. But don't be upset and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. This famine that has ravaged the land for two years will last five more years and there'll be neither plowing nor harvesting. God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and to preserve many survivors. So it was God who sent me here, not you. And he is the one who made me an advisor to Pharaoh, the manager of his entire palace and the governor of all Egypt. Joseph got it, didn't he? He understood that the glory belongs to God and God alone. He understood that God is sovereign, that God had been weaving a plan all through this time and that he just got to be a part of God's plan. And he didn't have to attack his brothers and blame them and hate them for what they had done. But instead, he could just see how God used their own decisions to bring about something greater and something that would honor and glorify God. Well, that leads to the third point. We may never know why, but God does. Sometimes we won't know why. Sometimes you're going through junk and you don't know why. Can I get an amen? 
I had uh, one of our buddies, Mark. Mark shared with me last week. He's like, I got to tell you a story, Pastor, of this godsidence that happened. I'm like, okay. He said, it starts with this. And he showed me a picture of a Subway cup. I was like, okay, Mark, what's the story? He said, well, he said, this last week, you know, we had the big snow and, and I got the phone call from my daughter that, I, that uh, she wasn't able to go get our grandsons from the preschool, but they're calling for this major winter warning. We need to go get, get our grandson. And he said, so I agreed reluctantly to go. Even though I was at work, I was going to have to use my, my uh, lunch hour. And he said, I agreed to go because nobody else wants to get out in the snow. So he said, I, I got headed that way and found out that for some reason, I had to drive to the next county, Overton County, just to go get my grandson because that's where he was at today for that the babysitter they used that day. And so he said, my, my daughter sent me the, the address. I put it in my GPS. I typed it in, and off I went. Well, on the way there, I was hungry, so I stopped at Subway. He said, as I got my Subway order and I'm waiting on her to make my, my food, I got another call from my wife, the third one, he said. And he said, to be honest, I was annoyed. I'm like, seriously? And they're wanting to make sure I'm okay. I'm driving in snow. He's like, I'm a grown man. I can make it through the snow. I'm okay. And he said he hung up the phone, a little bit of a, of a flustered uh, tone, he said. And the lady behind uh, the thing for Subway said, is that someone checking on you? He said, yeah. She said, be glad you have somebody to check on you. My husband died a couple years ago. I miss him desperately. He said in that moment, first of all, he, you know, felt conviction. But then he said, you know what, How, can you tell me about it? And she, he said she just opened up and told him her story and how broken she is. that he, She still misses her husband and it's been five years, I think he said. He said, so I, got, I just, when I got my Subway sandwich, I just stopped and said, can I pray for you? And she said, that'd be great. And so he prayed over her and had a really neat moment. Then he got back in his car. And started heading to go pick up his grandson. Well, unbeknownst to him, he had the wrong address. It was supposed to be something like, like Minister Drive. Instead, it was Minister Circle. And he had typed it in as Minister Drive instead of Circle. And so he starts going to get his grandson. He gets to the right road, he thinks. And there's this huge hill. He said, I drove up the hill once, slid back down. Drove up the hill twice, my car slid back down. He said, so I determined I can't be more than a mile away. I might as well walk to the place and get my grandson. So he's walking through the blizzard to get him. And he gets there and finds there's no address by that address. That there's a really sketchy house at the place that's close to the address. He's like, surely this isn't it. And he goes back and he said, my cell phone, of course, won't work because it's, you know, we're out of range. Goes back, drives to where he can get the cell phone, calls the granddaughter. She says, oh, don't worry about it, Dad. Uh, my boss, who also has his, his kid there, already said he'll pick him up and he's already there taking him. He's like, oh, great. He said, but what about this address? She said, oh, that must have been drive instead of circle. Yeah, you got the wrong address. So, of course, he's driving back to work a little bit miffed, right? And he's telling me this story. He's like, Steve, I'll be honest. I was, I was tore up. I'm driving back, and I just took two hours of my day. And he said, I sat down, and I'm complaining to God the whole way. Like, why did I have to do this? This is a waste of my time. I had to walk in the snow. And he said, I sat down, and I'm, I'm complaining to God. And he said, I sat my subway cup down. And he said, the Spirit of God said, there's your answer. She needed you today. And I sent you to her. And he's like, I got to tell you, God showed me 
It wasn't about my grandson. It was about her. And he was so excited. He's like, God used me. And I didn't even realize I was a whiner. You know, like, like Jonah going to rescue Nineveh. Jonah's like, oh, I knew you'd be a gracious God. Why'd you send me? I want to see him burn in hell. You know, it's like Jonah the, had a bad attitude. And yet God used him mightily. I want to say to you today, there's a reason that you're going through the season. I don't know what it is. But here's what I want you to know. Raise your expectations to what God has in eternity. Raise your expectations for what God has for you. And know that God has a reason. Hey guys, thanks so much for checking us out online today. If you want more information about the church or things that's going on here, be sure to check out theriverCC.com or download our app and visit us there. Also, as we go through the Bible this year, we want to help keep you engaged on what's being read and talked about each week. To do that, we have a podcast called The Word This Week, which will recap each week's readings, as well as have special guests who will talk about what God showed them that week. So be sure to check that out on all podcast streaming platforms. And again, thanks so much for checking us out online.